0: For my sister Morgan's 24th birthday, she wanted an excuse to get smashed on jello shots and puke on the Candyland board, so she threw herself a throwback party at her and her husband Kyle's uptown apartment. I looked hot in my overalls, sipping on my third mug of Capri Sun and Belvedere. The mug had been a gift for our dad on his 50th birthday, before he died, and it said World's Best Dad on it, which was a joke. Our dad was shitty. But Morgan was always sincere. She wouldn't have given him the mug if she hadn't believed it was true, just like she wouldn't have thrown a throwback birthday party for herself if she didn't think her childhood had been great. It hadn't been terrible, I guess. Every summer Sunday, Morgan and I used to get back from 9am mass and head straight for the pool five blocks away. Sometimes mom would even let us wear our swimsuits under our dresses, and we'd fidget through the homily, smelling like chlorine, and when we said thanks be to God after the benediction, we really fucking meant it. That was before Mom got too sick to go to Mass, before the Eucharistic minister with the peacock brooch had to bring the little golden picks to her in bed every Sunday and place the pale wafer on her tongue. I slumped in the white armchair in the corner of the dining room, eyeing both the living room and the kitchen because of the open floor plan. Some people danced, sweaty, heads lolling to the side. Strangers played Twister in the living room. A guy stood behind two girls bent over in downward dog with his hands on both their asses. He looked dead serious, or maybe drunk. Either way, it freaked me out. The whole apartment brimmed with cologne in the color gray. Gray suits, gray sweaters, gray leggings. Not everyone seemed as devoted to the theme as me. I'd had my green, purple, and orange toe socks since I was 14, and one of the toes had a hole in it, although it was one of the orange ones so you'd have to look pretty hard to tell. Hopefully no one was looking that hard at my feet, but it would make sense for a guy with a foot fetish to play Twister. I curled my toes. Kyle came out of the bathroom, eyes wide, grinning at the back of Morgan's head. Kyle. What a shitty name. They shouldn't even let you have a passport with that name, let alone eat crepes in cafes and drink absinthe on rooftops and snort coke off of gilded mirrors in Moscow or wherever in God's name he goes. 24 is young to be so rich, Morgan can't even legally rent a car, but she has a subscription to Savoir and buys coats at Burberry. Morgan stirred something on the stove. Kyle snuck up behind her and grabbed her ass, and she lifted her wooden spoon in protest, then let her head fall back onto his shoulder while he kissed her neck. I drank. I hadn't made eye contact with anyone the entire night. It felt like I wasn't there. A cloud of balloons floated through the doorway, blue, yellow, red, green. The light from the disco ball glinted off of them and projected kaleidoscope patterns on the ceiling. No one else looked but me. Below the balloons, billowing white pants with blue polka dots, huge red shoes clomped across the floor. The balloons shifted. A stark white face, pristine. Overdrawn lips, blinding red, and sharp black lines for eyebrows, drawn with a steady, unflinching hand. He met my eyes. He untangled a green balloon from his bunch and held it out to me. I took it, and he kept walking. he looked at me too long. I felt like I needed to follow him. I tied the balloon around my wrist and stood, adjusting my bra underneath the overalls. I followed him into the kitchen, but when I got there, he was gone. Morgan opened the oven to pull out a tray of bruschetta. Why the fuck couldn't she just get bagel bites and really commit to the theme? She had to be so extra all the time. She'd say something like, Why have a stainless steel range if you don't entertain? She hadn't always been like this. We used to sneak into the movie theater with our warm Cokes we'd bought for 25 cents from the vending machine in the jewel parking lot. She used to get drunk with me after dad hit me for coming home after midnight. He never hit her. The oven's heat glowed around her head like a burning halo. I didn't want to talk to her. I knew how every conversation would go until we died. I'd probably die first, even though she was older, because she drank kale smoothies and did Soul Cycle. She was so kind and loving, she'd say at my funeral. And she could always make me laugh. She'd leave out the depression, the starving, the times I fainted at school, She always wanted to be a nun. She used to drape a cloth napkin over her head at the dinner table when she was six, do you remember? And put her palms together like the stained glass window of St. Catherine of Siena there. That window was her favorite. She'd leave out the stigmata I tried to give myself using a corkscrew. And people would cry. Not because I was dead, but because she was crying. And the worst part, she'd mention Dad. It wasn't easy for a single father, but he did his best. She looked up at me and held my eyes for a long time, ceramic knife poised above the cherry tomatoes. I saw a flicker of the way she used to look, sunburnt, smiling, tipsy. Then I realized that she wasn't looking at me, but behind me. I turned just as a hand touched my hip. Kyle, bug-eyed and sweaty. Ain't you having a good time? He asked, leaning close. I grabbed his clammy hand and pushed it away. He frowned. What? You don't like that? He gripped my waist with both hands this time, pulling me close. I smelled beer and mouthwash. He was hard. Morgan watched, knife still hovering. He had to know she was watching. She had to know that he knew. I felt sick. I shoved Kyle away. He stumbled back. Fuck you. He mumbled, stomping into the bathroom and slamming the door. My cheeks burned as I gathered the courage to look up at Morgan. Her eyebrows were furrowed, her mouth open, but then she straightened and pursed her lips. She looked down at the tomatoes and chopped them. Tears welled in my eyes and I blinked them back. I took a deep breath, downed the rest of my drink, and left the mug on the granite counter. I was going to go find the clown. Our eyes met as he went into the bathroom across the hall. I sat on the guest bedroom bed, waiting for him to come in. The sex would be awkward, and bad, and I'd have to keep from laughing the whole time, but at least it'd be a fun story. I watched the clock tick, squishing the green balloon in my hands, judging how much pressure it would take to pop. The clock was St. Francis's cross, the medieval-looking, tiered crucifix, with a minute and a second hand. Morgan got it in Rome last year, saying it reminded her of mom. I think she just felt guilty for not doing anything Catholic in Rome. The clock was a hand-painted replica, showing the six angels and the five witnesses of the crucifixion. Mary Magdalene stood in the crowd, hand on her throat. I always wondered how the seven demons came out of her, maybe through her mouth. The middle angel on Jesus' right always caught my eye, with his orange robes and his sharp jaw. His halo seemed brighter than the others. A cross just like this hung in the chapel of our church back home. I used to kneel in front of it before confession, reciting the act of contrition, mouth dry. I always felt a compulsive need to confess, even though I hated it. When Mom died, Morgan stopped going to church entirely, but I started doing it obsessively. Morgan had stored all of Mom's stuff in this room, apparently. Virgin Mary votives on the dresser, Grandma's lace doilies, like a shrine. I bet she put all that stuff away when guests came who weren't family. The clown finally stepped out of the bathroom, pulling his balloons behind him. He stopped when he saw me and grinned. Perfect white teeth under red lips. He was gorgeous, surrounded by bright colors instead of gray. I wasn't drunk anymore, and my heart pounded as he walked through the bedroom doorway and let go of the balloons and shut the door. So much quieter. The clock ticked, the same sound that had woken me up that morning to an empty apartment, Morgan at spin class, and Kyle picking tomatoes in the garden. The clown pointed at my green balloon, then at his bunch of balloons. He wiggled his eyebrows and held his belly, silently chuckling, eyes squeezed shut. I knew he meant, We match. And it was so charming that I thought I might cry. He pointed at the clock and tapped his foot. I've been waiting for you. I nodded in reply. He wrung his gloved hands together, eyebrows furrowed. I'm nervous. And I tilted my head in response. He slid a finger down his cheek from his eye and pointed at the clock again, and I knew he meant that it had either been a long time or a short time, that he'd just broken up with someone. I couldn't explain how I knew it. I made the tear with my finger too, and then he perked up and held up one finger. Wait! Wait! He pulled a lollipop out of his pocket, a mini version of one of the huge ones you get at the fair, colorful swirl and all. I took it and opened the wrapper and put it in my mouth. It tasted like plastic. They used to taste better. I scooted to the edge of the bed, the candy still in my mouth, and reached up and pulled on his gloves. He yanked his hands back like I'd burned him and wiggled one finger, silently chuckling again. He touched my hair, stroked my neck, and nuzzled the air. Soft. I stood so I could reach his wig, and it wasn't tangled like I thought it would be, and from that close I smelled the paint, chemicals, and powder, underneath sweat and sharp cleanness. I breathed deeply, his gloved hand still stroking the back of my neck. He unclasped my overalls and the bib folded over to reveal my black lace bra, the goosebumps and acne on my breasts. I helped him take off his clothes, the music still blaring from the living room. I wondered if Ask Guy was still playing Twister. Somehow, it felt like he could see me through the door. I unzipped his heavy jacket, footsteps outside the door. I froze, the door didn't lock. The bathroom door slammed shut and I breathed again. Soon we stood naked in front of each other. We hadn't kissed yet, which felt strange, but I didn't want to mess up his face paint. His body was thin, but defined. He was younger than I'd thought. He looked at me too, and my heart pounded when I couldn't read his face, couldn't tell what he thought of me. I lay back on the bed, and he pulled the lollipop out of my mouth and knelt on the carpet between my legs. He gently pushed the lollipop inside me. It felt sticky and warm from my spit. He twirled the stick around, then pulled it out and put it in his mouth. He closed his eyes, face serene, unlined. He looked like he hadn't tasted anything in a long time. The clock ticked. Someone shouted in the other room. We breathed, staring at each other, his head between my legs. He pulled my thighs toward him with his rough gloves so that my ass hung off the bed, and we fucked. It was better than I thought it would be. The bed kept hitting the wall, and I still had my toe socks on, but I didn't care. He didn't say anything, which was nice. No porny stuff. He just breathed, his eyes closed. Raindrops flecked the glass door to the balcony. It only took five or ten minutes, but it felt like an hour. My thighs warmed and tingled and I felt that rush in the pit of my stomach and I arched my back even farther and I came, shuddering. The music stopped and my eyes snapped open. It was eerily quiet. He kept moving in and out at the same speed, eyes squeezed shut trickles of sweat cutting through the makeup on his forehead and nose. He still looked beautiful, but in a more vulnerable way now, almost like he was remembering how it felt to have a body. I wanted to see his face. I let him finish, warmth trickling out of me while he knelt on the floor, breathing heavily, dabbing at his makeup with his fists. It smelled like sex. The only sound was the rain hitting the balcony door. The clock had stopped, secondhand frozen. Weird. My mind drifted. The balloon tied around my wrist trembled in the breeze from the ceiling vent. I squeezed my thighs together. He sat on the edge of the bed and turned around. His smudged black eyebrows drooped, red lipstick smeared on his cheeks. My stomach plummeted, like driving over a big hill, but I laughed and pointed to my face, sweeping my finger around in a circle. He picked up my bath towel that I'd left on the floor earlier. His shoulder blades moved beneath his skin. My stomach growled. Stupid bruschetta actually sounded good. He turned back around. Traces of black and red makeup still streaked his face, but most of it was gone. He looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. A crooked nose, as if it had been broken. Smooth lips. Sharp jaw. He pulled off his wig. Short black hair, neatly styled. He didn't look like a clown. How'd I do? He asked, crawling closer to me. His voice was lower than I thought it would be, his accent impossible to place. I didn't know him at all. He wasn't the person I just had sex with. My mouth went dry, and I cleared my throat to answer. It was good, I said. He frowned. I meant the makeup, he said, pointing to his face and lying down next to me. He smelled like chemicals still, and it made my head hurt to look at him. I needed fresh air. I sat up, and he rubbed my back. I pulled the balloon down to me by its string and poked it. Some air had escaped. Something wasn't right. No noise. None at all. Morgan would have been cleaning if the party was over. He rubbed my neck like before, humming a song I didn't know. I felt dizzy. Still drunk, maybe? I stood, my head pounding. I opened the door to the balcony and sat on the wet wooden bench, naked. A light, cool drizzle fell. I shivered, goosebumps springing up on my skin. Down below in the alley, an orange cat wearing a bell around its neck rooted through an overturned garbage can. No cars in the street, no lights for many trains, no moan of them on metal tracks, just the gentle drizzle on my upturned face. I turned. He stood there, wearing white boxer briefs and no shirt, somehow more sculpted than before Makeup completely gone, skin glowing, even harder to look at. What's happening? My voice broke. A light glow radiated from his outstretched hand. Don't be afraid. His hand felt hot, like a coffee pot, but it didn't burn me. We walked back inside, and my eyes watered when I tried to look at him. In the corner of my eye, fire consumed him, flames singeing my hand and the side of my face. The balloon popped. We left the bedroom, left behind the clown suit and the overalls and the lollipop stuck to the carpet and the St. Francis clock. Plastic cups littered the hallway floor. The popped balloon dragged through puddles of spilled drinks. The liquid soaked through my socks. No one in the kitchen. Lights still on, oven still on, still open. Tray of bruschetta on the floor. Morgan's overturned wine glass rested on the counter. A lump rose in my throat. Why did he give me the balloon earlier? Why did he want me to follow him? Why did he choose me? I asked. I am only a reaper. I am not a sower. His voice sounded distant, full of echoes. I bit my lip, poking my toe into a pool of red wine. He was only a pillar of flames now, my hand hovering in them. Tears spilled down my cheeks. Do I have a choice? I asked, even though I knew this was the end, the final day of my life. He didn't answer. He couldn't answer anymore. My head pounded, and my vision blurred. My hand came loose. The flames turned colder, flickering out little by little. I didn't know why he'd picked me, but I didn't want to stay here, wasting away. I wanted to transform. I jumped into the flames like plunging into a scalding bath, my skin scrubbing away until it was new and raw pink, and I smelled salt and honey and cool moisture wrapped around me, a blanket of milk, a film ripped away from my eyes. And I blinked away stinging tears. It was blinding. A bright, cold, expansive sea glimmered before me, beckoning, 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 beckoning.